Hello friends and welcome to another episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. My name's Clayton Croker. Uh, Justin Anderson is to my left here and way, way far away. We got Patrick Marsh joining us on Skype uh, in the Maritimes. More on the Maritimes in a bit because I don't know if you've been watching the news, but some shit going down in the Maritimes right now. Uh, thanks for listening, whether that be on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher. Uh, thanks for following us on the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're not following us, at BFMD Podcast. We're hilarious, kind of, like 78% of the time. Um, we're going to be talking about the playoff race. We're going to be talking about Christian Yelich a little bit as well, because that was... Oh, that was a kick to the groin for baseball fans everywhere. Uh, We're going to be talking about the uh, future of the Jays, just like uh, two episodes ago. Uh, We're going to be talking about the future of center field for the Jays. We're going to be talking about the future of first base for the Jays. So some Jays talk, some playoff talk. But before we get to that, um, Patrick Marsh has been living like a caveman for like the past three (laughs) days. Um, Hurricane Dorian has just taken over the Maritimes. you know, the southern states as well, but the Maritimes is getting hit hard. Just go over the past couple of days, Patrick. Well, it all started around 2.30 or something like that on Saturday, and it oh, didn't boy. really didn't really let up until... Fuck, I don't know. I'm like, I'm still, I'm still exhausted. You didn't have from... power or internet or anything like that, hey? We had no power until Monday at 3.30 in the morning. So I'd gone like three or four days without a shower because I thought, oh, I'll just get up Saturday and and take a shower just in case the power goes out. No, power went out before I got a chance. So I was literally like, I don't know how to describe it, but it was just an unpleasant feeling. And I mean, this is like, I sound so entitled when I'm like, oh, I didn't have a shower for three days or four days or whatever it was. Um, it still sucked. We had very little water pressure. We lost hundreds of dollars of groceries. Uh, were destroyed by the lack of refrigeration. And we didn't get internet back until I think it was yesterday. And... It was getting late in the day, too, and I was thinking to myself, am I going to be able to do the podcast this week? And that was my number one priority, was trying to get that internet. So I was I was calling up my ISP, telling them, listen, I got this podcast. <laughs> I got to get on the horn with, uh, with my boys out in Saskatoon. How fast can you get a repairman down here and fix this shit? And he said to me, look, man. There's like a thousand people in a thousand buildings in a thousand different towns all across Nova Scotia that need help. Chill. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) they got it done. And um, I got to say, the the actual storm itself was the worst part of it, where you got no power. It it got like pitch dark at seven o'clock and all you could hear was the wind howling and things crashing around and branches flying all over the place and it was just very stressful huh. and of course if you saw the news Halifax had a giant crane uh, collapse down on one of the busiest streets in the city and that video is uh, nuts yeah oh man it was scary what apparently what happened was uh, the construction company 
did not unlock all the joints on the crane so it it could do this thing called weather veining which mm. is when it just it just spins around according to what the wind is uh, instead it was locked in one position which means that as it was getting smoked by the wind it was either going to buckle and break under the the pressure of the wind or it would hold strong and obviously uh, it buckled and collapsed, and that that part of, of South Park Street here in Halifax is is still shut down. Crane is still they're still trying to figure out what to do with it. So good times. That's good a times. that's a pretty big fuck up. Like one Man. person decided to do that to that crane, and that person no longer has a job. Yeah. Hurricanes are just baffling to me because, like, we've obviously never experienced a hurricane here in Saskatchewan. Like, we get windstorms, but, like, yeah. not hurricanes. Like, nothing even close. <laughs> and, like, here's the thing. Like, living in the prairies, yeah, we got to deal with, like, the brutal winters of, you know, minus 50 with the wind chill, huge snowstorms and stuff. But I'll take that any day over hurricanes. Earthquakes. Earthquakes and all that shit. Yeah. Like, the water. Volcanoes. Like, water flooding every single house. Like, huge winds causing all that damage. I'll take the gross winters instead of that yeah. stuff. Like, having to prepare for that every single year. Not a fan. Were you scared at all, Patrick? Like, was there any moment during the storm where you were like, oh, man, I'm worried for my house or anything like that? No, it's, well, like, it's hard to explain. It's not so much, like, I was, it made me nervous because of, like, the, just the high winds. But it was more so, like, the fact that there was constantly, like, an external force right outside my windows at all times Hmm. was stressful. So, like, I don't know if I would say, like, scared so much as, like, really stressed. It Like, it's, like, a different kind of fear. Not like I didn't think at any point I was going to get swept up in the winds and I would be taken out to sea. But it'd, it'd take a a mighty hurricane to lift my <laughs> chubby ass off the ground. I mean, my fucking skeleton weighs 200 pounds alone. So <laughs> it's just like, I got a pretty firm pretty firm grip on the ground most times but um just that like the idea of like it's kind of like like you've gone through a car wash before right yeah imagine being stuck in a car wash for like 48 hours except maybe in a slightly bigger space that's 10 year old clayton's dream i fucking loved car washes as a kid (laughs) like going through car washes with my dad sometimes my dad would go through twice like he'd spend an extra ten dollars because I just loved it so much. His car was already clean, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I know. I'm going through again because I just loved it so much. I loved like the purple soap. Yeah, I couldn't understand yeah. why the soap was purple. I was like, "Well, the soap at home is white. Why is this soap purple?" And it just blew my mind. And the big, um, like the things that spin yeah. around. Oh, <clears throat> they would come up, and then the loud fans and everything like that. Uh, good times, good times. Uh, let's talk some baseball, though, shall we? Um, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, whoa, We can whoa, talk whoa. about my wedding at the end of the show if you guys want. All right. Let's talk some baseball <laughs> now. Well, again, I got married on Saturday, by the way. Uh, it was a shit show. It was like, a toonie bar. Nothing went wrong. Like, it wasn't a shit show in that way. It was, like, a good shit show. Yeah, we'll get into great. that in a bit because I want to talk about maritime weddings as well, but enough maritimes talk off the start. Right, Even yeah. though they're going through hurricane stuff, let's not pump their tires too much here. Yeah. Um, let's <laughs> Talk about the playoff race here. Um, AL East, the Yankees are going to win it. Let's yeah. be obvious here. But this AL Central, 
can you see Cleveland coming back here, Justin, or is this just Minnesota's division? It's just a matter of time. They're five games back with uh, what, how many games left? Uh, just under 30? 15. 15 yeah. games. Uh, they've got another 20 games left, I think, right? Almost? No. 16? Yeah, 16 games left. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Depending, I'm not sure how many times they play Minnesota. Um, if they play them more than five times, then yeah, they could come back. But I don't. I think it's Minnesota's to lose at this point. Cleveland's got to hope they can sing a wild card spot. Is there any chance of Cleveland getting this division, Patrick, or no? Not anymore. No. But uh, since the last time we talked, uh, Justin was pretty right on about it. I mean, Cleveland started slumping, and Minnesota has been hot, especially at the plate. Lovely. It is. They have been blistering. They broke uh, that but, home run record for a season with like 32 games left. Yeah, it was crazy. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's bananas. But also, another thing to consider is that right now, Cleveland aren't just fighting for that division. They're fighting for their playoff mm. lives right now. Yep. They won three in a row, which is you know a good start, but they're still half a game back of Oakland, who have been playing just as well as they have. And obviously, Tampa definitely took advantage of its games against the Jays, and they're nine and one in their last ten, and they look primed to take that wild card spot. If I'm any team in the American League, I don't want to play Tampa Bay regular season or playoffs. There's, Tampa Bay is dangerous. Not, they're it's spooky. Not fun. Mm-hmm. That's the thing; they're just such a weird team that you don't know what to expect. Yeah. Because again, they're just kind of a bunch of nobodies that. You don't really know too much about them. Just a bunch of really them. good homegrown players That's and some exactly good traits. That's exactly it. Like, it's just like, who are these guys? Yeah. And it's like, we can't get just a feeling on what kind of team They've they're going like, to be. They've got two starting pitchers, and they somehow just win games. And that's the thing. Like, what is their identity? They don't have an identity, which is such a scary yeah. thought to have in the playoffs because you don't know how to – like, the playoff baseball and regular season baseball is totally it's different. It's like uh, always sunny. Wild card, bitches. Exactly. You know, <laughs> like, uh, in the wild card then in the AL, of course, you got Tampa. I think they're going to win the wild card. But Oakland and Cleveland, I mean, Cleveland's half a game back of Oakland right now. Oakland's hot. Cleveland, not so much. Man, can we get, like, an I will remember you for Boston, man? Uh, Fuck Boston. We're not going to give Boston any attention on this podcast. They can go screw themselves. They fired Dombrowski this week, too, their executive guy. He's gone. They deserve a little bit of struggling time. (laughs) Like, they they deserve some Montreal Alouettes time, is what I should say here. Because the Montreal Alouettes were kings of the CFL for so long with Calvillo and Cahoon and all those guys. And, sure, they're having an okay season this year. But Boston deserves, like, four or five years of crappy baseball because they have been an absolutely – treated to good baseball teams there. Every night I go to bed and I think about how bad the New England Patriots are going to be when Tom Brady finally retires, and it just makes me so happy. So happy. But uh, Oakland or Cleveland. Before we continue, (laughs) I do want to say we got to pour one out for our, you know, uh, yet another fallen executive in this season. Yeah, boy, Dave Dombrowski getting shit canned. (laughs) We're not pouring one out for him, though, because he's a Red Sox. I mean, he gave us David Price for, like, Almost nothing. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Sorry, I just yawned. <laughs> that's, that's great. That makes for really compelling radio, I bet. It does not. No, it doesn't. Um, I think Dombrowski is a, a very good executive. A lot of people have been shanking him now that he's gone out the door in Boston, saying, like, this guy, all he does is just blow through prospects and stuff like that for – momentary success look man he had a great run in detroit especially from 2011 to 2014 
they're out there fighting. They made it to three straight ALCSs. It's not their fault they ran into a hot San Francisco team in the in the uh, the World Series. It's just like I feel like Dombrowski is better than people give him credit for, but at the same time, fuck Boston. Yeah, he went to the dark side, so screw him. Yeah, he hasn't won shit, so <laughs> I guess he'll, he'll he'll find a job real quick. I think. Oh, I have no, no, there's no, no doubt about that. But he pulled a Taylor Swift. He sold out. Totally ditched country music. Went to pop music to make to be the big star. Yeah, that's what Dombrowski did. Anyone get that analogy? Anyone? Boston is pop music. Anyone? Yes, K. Thank you. Someone's <laughs> following along here. Um, <laughs> AL wild card. Who's getting it? Cleveland or Oakland? Oh my gosh, that is a tough one. Actually, I, I mean, I'm gonna go with Oakland. I got I gotta pick my boys, uh, Billy Bean, down there. He's gonna they're gonna get it this year. Patrick, Oakland or Cleveland? It's gonna be Oakland, man. It's it's gotta be. It's got. Money it's gotta ball. be Oakland. Money I'm just ball. like I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm struggling right now. It's gotta be Oaktown. I want they, it to be Oakland. But it's not going to be Oakland. It's going to be Cleve. Cleveland. The Cleve. Oh, come on, man. It's going man. to be Cleveland. I want Cleveland. it to be Oakland. I do, but I just think it's going to be Cleveland. All right. They're going to be so boring to watch I'm in aware. the wild card game, man. I don't want to see that. You imagine Cleveland gets in by the the skin of their teeth and then, like, squeezes out a win on Tampa Bay, knocking out the better team, and then they get to play an ALDS. They get to play the Yankees. I guess, who would they or play? The they play the Yankees? One of those two. Whichever team finishes the better record. Fuck that. I don't want to watch that. I want Oakland. Oakland are way sexier. They're the sexy pick. What about when it comes to the National League race here? Because, again, when it comes to the divisions, they're all basically wrapped up. The Dodgers clinched last night. The Cubbies have a chance. Uh, The Cubbies have a chance. They can pour one out for the Brewers now. Yeah. Um, Christian Yeah, Atlanta's got their division basically wrapped up. Um, In their wild card, though, in the NL... Uh, Washington oh and Chicago, they're the two teams, but there are th- four teams right in it. Milwaukee, who, did, who did we say last week? I said the Mets and Milwaukee, or I said the Mets and Philly. That's I think I said Philly and uh, and the Mets maybe too. Patrick, do you remember who it was two weeks ago? Uh, that's what you guys picked. Yeah. I picked the two teams that are currently. No, did I? I definitely picked the Cubbies. I think I might have said the Brewers, but obviously. That ain't happening. Although they won five in a row, they're not done. But well, Justin, I mean, what do you, what do you think their odds are without Yelich? Because Yelich is done. Um, I'm gonna put Zero. it in, in layman's terms, not very good. <laughs> they're not a horrible baseball team without him. They're not a great yeah. baseball. They're team They're not a great them. baseball team without him. But it's not like it's not like a Peyton Manning with the Indianapolis Colts kind of situation. You take out Peyton Manning, they're garbage. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Christian Yelich was their star running back, and he's dead now. True. Very true. Uh, what about Philly, though? Again, we're on the Philly bandwagon. I, Philly's I'm two still, games out. Philly's going to get in. I'm on that I'm on that train, and, I mean, the Mets had that, like, momentarily lapse in judgment a couple weeks ago. They lost, like, four in a row, but mm-hmm. they're they're back on track now. Um, Pete Alonso is just a g- absolute god. He went hit 50 jacks this year. He's at 47 now, I think. Arizona's new Mike Trout to me. What about Arizona though? No one's talking about Arizona. They're kind of sneaking. They're up just on people. like yeah, those slippery snakes, man. They're just like lurking in the grass right now. So the snake in the grass. Yeah. They've lost three in a row though. They've lost all that ground that they gained over the week before. Mm-hmm. All it takes and, is three more wins, and they're right back in it again. Well, yeah, same but, with Philly. Same with the Mets. Like 
I, I we're gonna see Milwaukee drop off at some point over the next week and a half. I I, th- I think the Mets and and the D-backs are those two teams that have that dark horse shot. But I still think Philly has a better team um, than any of the teams that are on the outside looking in. I, I think Washington and the Cubs have the best teams. Yeah. Obviously, based and based on the run differential, you could you could even just go off that too. Um, and they're both. I think they'll both do well in the playoffs just based on. The Cubs have the experience, and Washington has that killer rotation. Mm-hmm. But and they also have Juan Soto and Anthony Rendon and other guys who are lighting up on offense. I just think that I just want some dark horse teams to make it, like Me Philly, too. Philly, and and the Mets. I want the Mets just to like get into the wild card game. They're gonna lose, but I want them to get in there. <laughs> I'd love for the Mets to get in there again. I that's why I said I want Oakland in there. I want Oakland in there, but I just think that Cleveland's gonna win. Yeah, it'd be great if Oakland went in there. Patrick, what were you gonna say? Can I change my no. answer? No, you cannot. No, you can't. I'm gonna. I'm changing no. my answer. No, no. not a lot. I don't With even the... want to hear it. I don't even no. want to hear it. All right, that's it for today's. <laughs> that's it for the playoff talk. All right. That's it. No, you're not allowed to change. No I'm going changing. Mets and Philly. Ride or die, baby. Ride or die. Ride or die. Let's go. Washington crumble. Let's go. Um, anything else in the playoff race? Are there any anything else you're looking at when it comes to the playoff race or matchups or potential so World Series matchups? Right I just now. want to cry think... about Mike Trout not making the playoffs again. Who no. gives a shit? Oh, well, he needs to go play for a different team. Yeah. Well, I guess he shouldn't have signed a $400 million contract then. Woof. Yeah. Still the goat. Uh, I think the Cubs are actually in trouble. Uh, They lost Javier uh, Baez. Uh, He's probably done for the year. And it's not to say that he is equal on any level with um, Christian Yelich, aside from the fact that he probably is the Cubs MVP. I just think, like, I actually think that they're all, they're done. They're done ski. I'm going with, a really spicy pick here. I'm going to say that the D-backs are going to get in. They're going to bounce back. Flip-flopper. Yep. That's right. Just call me John Kerry because yeah. I like to flip-flop on major issues. As Michael Scott would say, nope, don't like that. Um, let's talk about some... Uh, why are you the way that you are? Why are you the way that you are? Seriously, every time I try to have a little bit of fun, you come in and just... I hate so much of what you choose to be. <laughs> uh, let's get into some Blue Jay baseball, shall we? Yeah, let's uh, talk ta- about I like Jays. talking about the future of the Jays because it it makes me happy. Uh, but one quick question: Are we going to lose a hundred games this year? Yes. Yeah. We're nine away. I think we have ninety-one losses. Whatever. Let's yeah. just go yeah. for it. Go for the hundred. I'd love it if we lost ninety-nine. Tank, 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 no, tank. I bet you we'll lose ninety-nine. We'll lose ninety-nine just so we don't get that hundred loss mark. But I love that talk that we had. About uh, pitching two weeks ago, yeah. what are, what is our starting rotation going to look like next year? Because it's so interesting to look at the future of this team. We're going to look at our outfield today and first base. Um, let's start with the outfield here. Who's going to play center field next year? <laughs> and who's going to be our fourth outfielder? Because yeah. let's be real here. Guriel Jr., he's going to be in left. We've got our left fielder situation figured out. Yep. Gritch Daddy... Probably going to be in right field, but he could compete for a center field spot too. Yeah, he can play center. Yeah, but let's be real here. Center field's up for grabs. So who is going to be playing center field, Patrick Marsh? I have been converted over to a singular way of thinking about this. And it goes all the way back to a conversation that we had way back in March about Anthony Joseph Alford and how you can't quit on the athlete. This guy has 
everything we need in a center fielder. I really don't understand why they're not playing him every opportunity to give him more looks. Who gives a shit about Derek Fisher or Brandon Jury or Billy McKinney or Teoscar Hernandez and his lack of ability to not strike out 33% <laughs> of the time? I just look at all the, the these guys. None of them are replacement-level players, really. I mean, Teoscar might have positive F-war. I doubt it. He'd be, like, the closest. The rest of them are He's whatever. at a 0 0.5. Really? That's actually extremely impressive. I still don't <laughs> want him uh, in the outfield at all. I'd rather him DH 100% uh, of the time or be traded. You want to hear um, an alarming but... stat, though? Randall Gritrick's at a 0 0.3. Nee. Yeah, it's been a rough year for the Gritch daddy. But we're talking about Anthony Alford here. I think he's going to be, he should be the center fielder for 2020. Unless we randomly sign some magical center fielder or trade for one. It should be Anthony Alford. Just give him the shot. Like, it, I'm just getting sick of waiting for him to bust out. And I think he just needs to get up, get plate appearances. He's got pop. He's tremendous defensively mm -hmm. and we kind of we kind of need that i mean our outfield lourdes Gurriel certainly not going to win any gold gloves and neither is randall gritchuk uh, not to say that you have to be to be a good outfielder but anthony alford is fast we need guys who can steal bases we can't we can't be in the bottom five or, or ten teams in stolen bases anymore we need players to be able to get on base and run around and be super fast because right after they you know, come up to the plate. They're gonna have some of our thick boys, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> like a certain Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Rowdy Telez, who aren't exactly known for being swift-footed. So, I like Anthony Alford. I'm saying Anthony Alford all the way. I'm not gonna give up on him. I, I want it. Give it right. to me. See, I've kind of got this uh, phrase two ways. So, <clears throat> the first question I have for myself is. <clears throat> who should be in center field and who will be in center field. So for me, I'm kind of going, I, I think Anthony Alfred should be. Uh, they have not given him his fair shake at all. After the spring training he had and, and the way they dicked him around on opening day with having him in Toronto and then actually not putting him on the roster, uh, they did him dirty there. Yeah, and then, I mean, he he did have some injuries over the course of the AAA season. He played terribly in, in April, and it probably had something to do with the fact that he was probably a little bit depressed after the way that he was treated on opening day. But then after um, the summer hit and the weather warmed up, so did Anthony Alford. Like, he was red hot for the, the middle three months of the season. Did have a small injury again in, in August, but then came back again with a vengeance. Um, the fact that they aren't playing him and I don't think they've I don't know if they've even played him yet since they've they've added him back to the roster maybe like one at bat somewhere um, he's got like eight total at bats or something this season which is a travesty and he's only got like 37 total big league bat at bats over the course of his three years that he's spent some time in Toronto so I mean that's just like come on guys like give the guys some playing time it's September it's not enough to make an assessment no it's it's not and I mean the thing with some other guys that we've seen um like Billy McKinney like a Teoscar Hernandez um, they've had that time, uh, Brandon Drury as well. And I mean, you look at a guy like Tay Oscar and you're right. Like he strikes out way too damn much. He strikes out 33% of the time, like you said. 
And I mean, he's batting 215. Sure, he's got 21 home runs, but I mean, you got to at least try to not strike out so much. And I mean, he's not a positive value defender anyway. So I mean, if a guy like Anthony Alford, yeah, he's going to strike out more, but he's also going to steal bases for you. He stole 22 bases in Buffalo this year, that was a, which is a career high for him in 76 games only. That's a stolen base every three games, basically. So Yeah, that's rem- what we want. I remember the story before the season started in spring training, and I forget who wrote it, but it was if you look in the Jays' locker room and you just walk around Hendo. and it was like, hey, who's the MVP on this team? Mm. And it'd be Anthony Alford yeah. because he looks like a ball player. I think it was somebody on uh, – Hendo talked about it mm-hmm. when he was on the show with us, yeah. but I can't remember who actually wrote it, though. But, yeah, it was somebody who was actually following the team. I think ever since that happened, sh- It might though, have been shy Davidi, maybe. Yeah, even. I think ever since that happened, though, you guys have placed Anthony Alford on a little bit of Dude, a pedestal. Dude, I've had him up there for his whole career. I know you guys have, but I just – I think we're giving Anthony Alford a little bit more credit than he deserves. He deserves some credit for sure. He had a great season in AAA. He yeah. has not gotten a fair shot in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. But let's just pump the brakes a little bit here on Anthony Alford. We can't just give him our starting center field spot because he looks good. He's got to prove it. I he's got to win it. He's got to win it in spring training next year. But not just that, but he's got to prove it at the end of the season as well. We are not giving him time, though. I know, but we yeah. got to give him time. I agree with yeah. you guys. we got to give him time to earn that spot. But we haven't given him the time, which means he hasn't earned the spot. So We, we can't just give it to him because, oh, we'll just throw him out there. For me, I think Grichik's going to be our center fielder next year to start the season. And I don't think that's the best move, but I think that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Because you want that solid veteran kind of guy in center. And he has that contract. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He is an underrated athlete. I mean, he's not the fastest guy out there, but he is pretty quick. Yep. And he's got an okay bat. I mean, it's not a crazy good bat, and yeah, he Ks a lot, but he can get on base in pretty crucial situations. He can hit the odd dinger here or there. Mm-hmm. Like he adds, he adds a nice pop in the lineup. I think Grichik is the safe play at center field. I don't think that he should be the center fielder, but I think he's going to start the year at yeah. center field. And then we're going to get a free agent in right field. We're going to go pick up an outfielder. So I just, and I think Anthony Alford's our fourth outfielder. That's okay. the next part of this topic here. Who's going to be our fourth yeah. outfielder. Anthony Alford's the perfect fourth outfielder. You can put him mm-hmm. anywhere in the outfield and he's great. He's a great utility outfielder. I just, you need to prove it to play center field. Center field is the captain of the outfield. I just don't trust someone who doesn't have that much experience playing center field. In the big leagues. In the big leagues. In yeah. triple A, whatever. Yeah. Send anyone uh, out there. Yeah, and for me, I, I think Teoscar probably starts just because they they seem to just have this attachment to him. Mm-hmm. And I think Derek Fisher backs him up, unfortunately. <laughs> so who's our fourth outfielder, Patrick, <clears throat> next year? Um, I don't know because you're saying uh, Alfred's starting. So what's in your in your scenario? Who's who's going to be be the fourth outfielder? I mean, I don't want to say Tiasco Hernandez, but I mean, obviously he'll have to make spot starts in the outfield because I, I think he's going to be the DH next year. That's just me. Mm-hmm. I think Justin Smoke's time is done in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm. I don't know. Jonathan Davis, I'm still waiting for that moment where he just like, you know, he put, he, he does something. He can't, I don't know he, how to explain he's it. He's not a big league hitter. He's a big league fielder, but not a big league hitter. Um, yeah. I, I've, I was, I was kind of thinking about this as I was writing this segment up this afternoon about how the Derek Fisher trade makes sense from a roster perspective. Not with if you just let's just pretend Cal Stevenson wasn't traded. If you just traded B. Junior and Sanchez straight up for him, they freed up two spots in the forty man or one spot on the forty man roster by doing a two for one. Exactly. Because they've got guys like 
Baraki and like Shoemaker who need to be re-added to the 40-man roster this offseason. And they have a ton of players who are Rule 5 eligible. So some of these guys are just going to get non-tendered. Like I think the Jays should non-tender to Oscar Hernandez and just get him off the roster. They're probably going to let Jonathan Davis go. Um, I think they keep Brandon Drury. I think they let Billy McKinney walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, they should let Derek Fisher walk too. So it, it, when all is said and done with this whole Fisher trade, you should have at least four of these outfielders who are not in the on the 40-man roster next year. I think they keep Brandon Drury just because he has the ability to play anywhere on the field. He's like your Brock Holt, your Kiki Hernandez. He can play any position on the diamond for you. He is the backup third baseman for Vladdy. He can play second base when Bijou needs a day off. He can play in right field when Randall Gritchick needs a day off. He could probably play first base. He could probably catch for all we know. Um, but I think he just has too much value as a as a as a versatile option that he's going to be the four. He should be the fourth outfielder over Derek Fisher. I want to flip the question back. I I agree with you. I I like what you're putting down here, Justin. But I want to flip the question to Clayton. I'm going to read you some names. Let me know if any of these pique your interest. These are going to these. This is a list of uh, outfielders that are going to be free agents at the end of this year. Uh, Lonnie Chisenhall, Derek Dietrich, uh, Marcel Ozuna, who's having a massive breakout year. Uh, Adam Jones, Leonis Martin, Starling Marta. Um, I guess we don't really want to bother looking at righties unless we're going to put Grichuk. Um, maybe Adam Eaton, Jason Hayward, uh, Yasiel Puig. Any of these guys pique your interest for oh, outfielders yeah. next year? I'd say so. Get a nice veteran stopgap in there for a year or two. Get some veteran leadership in there. Like, I don't think we're going to get like a Hayward or anything like that. But if we can somehow get that Ozuna guy, mm-hmm. that'd be a big get. Huge get. He's I young think, enough too. And like, here's the thing. The market for outfielders isn't going to be so great next year, which means the Jays are, again, probably going to have to overpay because teams overpay. When the market's not that great, you always overpay for players. But the Jays do have a lot of money in cap room. So I think that maybe we could – I mean, that's what I – but then we got to spend money on pitching. See, that's the thing. Like, I would just like to get – I would like to pull an old J.P. Ricciardi here and just get a veteran guy just to maybe add a couple more – season tickets and play yeah. right field for a bit until the young guys are ready. I think that's what we should do in right field. Jason Hayward would be great. Nah. I don't think we're going to have to pay him crazy mm, amounts Yeah, he, he'd, be a, he'd be an affordable option yeah. for sure. I mean, he's not Ozuna great anymore. has power, though. Yeah, Ozuna would be great. He's 28. Ozuna's 28. Hayward's 30, but he's a lefty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, he still plays okay right field. That would really push Grishuk to center, though. Yeah, that's all um, we need, though. I think again, I just I can't see, I can't see anyone else but Grichuk in there. <clears throat> Grichuk or Elford are are center field options. So. Yeah, for sure. But I just can't see, I can't see them putting. We're Anthony gonna have in a, field. an interesting uh, episode when we talk about the forty man roster. Yeah, I just can't see <laughs> Anthony Elford starting in center field for us next year. I just think that would be halfway through the year if he proves mm. it for sure, but he hasn't proved it yet. I don't know. Center field's a big responsibility. Um, should we get to the infield here? Anything else on the outfield? No, let's move to first base. Uh, the future of first base. A lot of Jays fans think that Vladdy will one day move over there. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think once he's done at third, he'll go to DH. You're probably right. Is that, that's kind of the consensus on this podcast. Yeah. We talked about that before. Unless they have somebody else who is equally or worse at fielding and has just as good of a bat, which there mm. aren't too many of those out there. Yeah. Now, Rowdy <laughs> Telez for 
glimpses this season has been a little bit of hope for the future of first base. It's Every also, time you play Boston, he's great. Exactly. He's also been a complete shit show sometimes at first base. But he's been serviceable this year, maybe on the fringe of not so serviceable. He's on that bubble. But a two twenty three average, he's got 18 dingers. Uh, he's only walked 22 times, though, 47 RBIs. On base, a two eighty three. Um, again, but his F four is negative point two. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's like, mostly due to his fielding and base running. He's got some negatives on him, but he does have some positives. Yep, and he is still kind of young. So when it comes to Rowdy Telez, Patrick, is he is he does is he going to be part of the future for the Jays, or is he just a placeholder? No. <laughs> Another one of these, hey. Another one of those, hey. No, 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 no. Here, uh, all right, I, I. Sometimes I like to break out the no and then say nothing, but this time around I actually am going to say some things I didn't want to say. Um, look, I'm, I'm like you, Clayton. I'm a traditionalist that loves seeing the big guy out there cracking home runs, and I dig the long ball as much as anybody. And that's pretty much the only thing that Rowdy does really well is hit the hit the ball really far. And even then, it's like, Eh, maybe like one out of every six times he hits the ball, he hits it really far, which is okay, I guess. <laughs> when you're striking out almost 30% of the time and you're swinging at 41.6% of pitches uh, that you're swinging at are outside the zone and you can't run around the fucking bases to save your life. walking. He's, he's out there. This is something I stole from my dad. Um, shout out to dad if you're still listening to these. Um, he, he runs around the bases like he's carrying a grand piano on his back. It is crazy how bad he is at running. And he's, he's, he's a below average player. He's a below replacement level player. We cannot rely on him to do anything aside from, yeah, he might hit 20 home runs, but he's going to strike out almost as much as T. Oscar Hernandez. And we just talked about how we want to non-tender him. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, don't but the difference between Rowdy and Teoscar is that we don't have eight first basemen. <laughs> That's true. I'm Very true. We and, we, and, and the first baseman we have, like Justin Smoke's getting old, had a down year by his standards, still a pretty solid year. Um, but in terms of Teoscar compared to the other outfield options, they're all like, it's like, flipping a coin between which guy is is like worse than the other half the time yeah. Teoscar is worse than Billy McKinney and half the time Billy McKinney is worse than Teoscar Hernandez so it's they're like all, they're all below average players they're just like, they're I like guys you go to the grocery store and you just pick up a bag of apples that's what our outfield is right now you yeah, can't tell the difference like, between any a, of them yeah. <laughs> somewhere there's a bag full of center fielders and yeah. we just need to find that bag yeah. is that what you're saying pretty much it's pretty much what we have <laughs> we just have like this mixed bag of, of guys who just really have no discernible difference in terms of their overall value on a hole yeah sure one of them might hit a lot of home runs but he also strikes out a lot then you have the guy who can't hit any home runs but maybe is a better fielder and maybe hits for a better average but we don't really have that guy who does more than two things well Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's how that's how i see rowdy too like yeah he's gonna hit some home runs for you um he might drive in some runs he maybe he'll get a double if he feels like running that day Um, but he's not gonna walk he's gonna strike out a ton He's, his fielding numbers say he's an above-average fielder this year, but I still don't think he is. And he's going to swing at everything. Like He's got no discipline up there. Um, 
I don't understand why he hasn't figured out the discipline thing at the major league level. Like when he went back to Buffalo, he walked almost 13% of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and then he comes back to the big leagues and he just halves that right away and goes back to six, which is still higher than it was last year when he was only a 2.7% walk rate. Pitching in majors and AAA it's, it is, is different. different. Yeah, yeah, for Way sure. And I mean, the accuracy of a, of a AAA pitcher versus a big league pitcher, they're going to throw less strikes. Yeah. So yeah, that does make sense. But I mean, to to double your walk rate in AAA and then have it, like at least we've seen Kevin Biggio and Vladdy keep their walk rates very similar to what they were in the minors. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, my question though is, if not Ray Telez, if not Justin Smoke, who? Free agent. Uh, I wish I hadn't closed my free agent list. Hold on a second. Yeah. Let me find that. But again, like, do we really want to bring in somebody? Fuck yeah, year? I want Jose Abreu. Let's sign him to a two-year deal. <sighs> well, everyone wants Jose Abreu. That's awesome. We're going to run out of money, though. Like Again, if we want to spend money on our outfield and starting pitching, we're going to have no money left for a decent first baseman. Here's what I would suggest. And this might sound a little weird, but I think Rowdy Telez does have the, a, a future with the Jays if we do this with him. Because Rowdy Telez is 24 years old. If I'm Ross Adkins, I tell Rowdy Telez, look, bud, you're going to be our AAA MLB kind of guy. You're going to be in AAA a lot, but when we need you, we're going to call you up. Buffalo and Toronto is not that far away. Mm. You know, it's short. So you're going to be our guy that we call up when maybe we need some extra hitting. And if I was Atkins, I'd say, look, you're striking out all the time. Your average is 223. You can keep grinding in the minors with some other teams and go from team to team to team to team every single year. Or you could stay in our franchise for the next five years and be our guy in AAA and we'll call you up when we need you. It's like a a one-hour flight from Buffalo to Toronto. It's not that far. You're not traveling all over the place. You can settle some roots here. Plus, yeah. you can be on a team that's going to be amazing for the next four years. The, Do you think Rowdy would probably never go for that? He'd obviously still try to go for his dream. The problem is that he's 24, and once he turns 26, he's out of options. So you can only shuttle him back and forth for the next like season That is and a half. true. That, that, that would be a great in theory if he was like 19. Yeah. I do like that idea of having him be like that. Back and forth kind of guy. Number 26 on a 25 yeah, man roster exactly. kind of guy. Exactly. That's what I would say. That's how I see Rowdy Telez on our team. Basically, how like guys like Billy McKinney were this year for a while, where mm-hmm. he was up, down, up, down, up, down. I would love that if it was him. And we have a perfect system with it with Buffalo and Toronto. It's super yeah, close. Yeah, it's, it's a nice proximity thing. I, I just don't see Rowdy being on this team after next year when we are ready to win. If nobody in our minor league system at first base really proves himself next year. I'm still hoping for guys like Ryan Noda and, and Chad Spanberger to light it up and say, hey, we can play a major league first base for you. Um, we're going to have to go out and get somebody or move Vladdy or move Kevin Biggio to first base. I don't want to move Kevin to second yeah. first base. Yeah. He's, he played first, third, second, and outfield in, in the minors. So he's, yeah. he's kind of another one of those guys that couldn't do more than one thing. He's played a couple innings at first base for us this year in like late in games when they had done some shuffling. But, I mean, internally, we don't have the options at at the first base that we do everywhere else on the infield. Like, we've got options at third base. We've got guys like uh, Kevin Smith and Jordan Groshans who can play third base, and obviously Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, all those guys I just mentioned also play shortstop. And then we've got some second base, middle infield options like Santiago Espinal um, and, and others. Logan Warmoth, who's going to Arizona Fall League this year. Uh, along with Kevin Smith. So there's there's guys who are in our top 30 prospects that are middle infielders, but we don't really have that first base guy who's like, yep, he can play in a couple years. Yeah. So the consensus the thing, is... Though. Okay, go. Uh, here's the thing. If 
we've got Rowdy to let if if he's going to be our designated twenty sixth player, which I think is, I mean, if it were me, I'd rather retire than <laughs> than play that role. Um, no offense to you know Buffalo, I'm sure it's a wonderful city um, when it's somewhere between June and July, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but. Um, Man, if we do that, all right, and then Justin Smoke is gone. Guys, when the season starts and we throw the ball to first base, there's not going to be anyone there to catch it. Yeah. So that's why that's why I think, like the title of the segment says, future or placeholder. Placeholder for now. Yeah. Next, next he's, year he's a somebody placeholder. Has, somebody yeah. has to do it. At least one more year we'll see Rowdy. The thing is, is he just he just doesn't really do it for me. I mean, I'm, I'm going to pull up his splits here just real quick just to, before we move on. Um, so versus, uh, versus right-handers, he actually hits better against lefties than righties, which is yeah. weird. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> but he hits 263 against lefties and 205 against righties, which is bass backwards for, uh, for a left-handed batter. Um, uh, but we see Derek Fisher with the same kind of splits too in the outfield. Not that Derek Fisher hits the lights out against anybody. Um, but at least Telez is serviceable against those left-handed pitchers. So, I mean, yeah, one more year. But the consensus is long-term future, no rowdy. doesn't seem like it, no. Unless he, like, suddenly... You know what? It was was cute last year uh, when he came up and he was hitting the crap out of the ball and it was exciting and all that stuff. But it's not... I don't know. He just takes these crazy power cuts. (laughs) (laughs) I remember remember when, when you were ready to give him the job forever last year after that those few at bats patrick same with richard urania too you were just so ready for him to just be like on the the lineup every day they never gave urania a shot this year they screwed him over they did him dirty just as much as they did alford and i don't i still don't understand why but that being said telez if you looked at his numbers from last year it was pretty promising just as much as it was for danny jansen and i know we're this isn't the time or place to be taking shots at danny jansen he hasn't exactly wowed me this year either. So I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to look at any uh, of a catcher's offensive stats their first year in the league. Yeah, Reese McGuire's doing great now, but it's the end of the season. It's it's just like what Richard Reyna and Ryan Telez did last year. You might hit yep, 300 in September, time. but are you going to do over 600 at bats? Probably yeah, not. Probably not. It's, it's garbage time, so yeah. maybe the, that's the lesson that we've learned. It's the fourth last quarter, and we're year. up by forty right now. We're playing. Yeah. The, we're playing the backups. <laughs> yeah, oh, we're down by forty. Or we're down by forty in our case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, last segment we have today, we're gonna have a little bit of a player spotlight. Um, Justin Schaefer. Yeah. Uh, I don't know too much about this guy. Just gonna be straight up honest. Nobody, nobody does. So yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. That's why we're putting the spotlight on him. So uh, another Justin. He's just got one of those like vanilla names, right? Yeah. Like guys named Justin. You just yeah. they're kind of like those dark horse. You don't really know anything about them. Nah, guys like Justin just kind of like yeah. That's basically it. <laughs> just the again, there's no word. Just the yeah. 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 Oh, Justin. <clears throat> ah. Have you ever seen that Family Guy episode, by the way, where they make fun of people named Justin? Yeah, I have. Um People always reference that to me. I'm like, ah, probably one of the better Family Guy episodes yeah. of all time. Yeah, it's pretty good. This is the line, the line where he's uh, Lois comes home and Peter's having the party. Well, Justin's having the party, and uh, the best is like Lois gets him out of the guy. Hey, that little idiot knows how to smoke weed out of an apple. <laughs> 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 
that. Uh, but Justin Schaefer, what's he all about, Justin Anderson? Uh, I'm going to throw this one to Patrick Marsh. He compiled these stats, and he wanted to talk about them. So, Patrick, you lead this one off. All right. Let me tell you the good stuff about Justin Schaefer first. Ooh. We like to start off positive. Can I do here, the bad so. stuff, please? Yes. Awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I'll i do the good stuff. Because, I, I, you know, I want to... I want to enforce positivity on this podcast. It can't always be gloom and doom talking about hurricanes and cranes crashing down and, and weddings. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> wed- I mean, in my case, weddings, you weren't invited to at all, uh, but I digress. Um, Would you have come? It's like a $1,200 uh, plane ticket. And also it was a hurricane. You probably wouldn't even be able to fly out here anyway. Don't it's throw true. that it's shit true. on me. Would... Don't make me feel bad. <laughs> Uh, I've gotten a couple well, of those already. It's just bullshit. <laughs> I'm just kidding, That's when you man. jokingly say, I'll get you at the next one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, here's here, here's what Justin Schaefer does really well, okay? Justin Schaefer is what I like to call a Houdini. Mm. He's really good at escaping really crazy, shitty situations. Although Houdini's life ended with him getting punched in the gut really hard by a semi-professional boxer on Halloween. But, you know, we're going to have a Houdini episode at some point, so i got to put that aside for a second. Schaefer's a Houdini and that he is really good at getting out of bad situations that he creates. Okay? Right now, uh, in 33.1 innings pitched for the year, he's got an ERA of 2.97, which... If I told you that and didn't tell you anything else, you would think, hmm, you know, the Clayton upward inflection. Ooh. Go ahead, Clayton, do it for us. <laughs> there you go. Kind of like Michael Jackson, except probably like one octave lower. Maybe like six. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's also very good at striking out pitchers or batters. Sorry. It's late. Uh, he's got 9.18 Ks per nine, which is pretty good. I mean, that's what you want to see out of a reliever. He can at least go out there and get one strikeout. Uh, he's very good at limiting home runs per nine innings. He, he only gives up 1.08 per nine, which I think, uh, I don't know. Justin's a computer. Yeah. He'll tell us. There you go. Uh, His left on base percentage is 86.8%, which is really fucking high especially mm. for a guy who <laughs> whose other stats are less flattering and i'll let justin talk about those in a second oh, yeah, but before so before we get to that i just want to say he has the ability to strand runners on base he gets out and that's probably his best attribute is that he goes out there and records outs before anything bad happens yeah it's it's really strange and we do like Justin, pitchers who can get outs, right? Well, we kind of need it. That is the goal. Yeah, we need the 27 theme of them. for this year, for this season, is there's nobody else. Yeah. So when there's nobody else, there's Justin Schaefer. But what does he do bad, Justin? Well, um, Patrick's least favorite thing about ball players is either they don't walk enough or they give up too many walks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <Yes. laughs> Patrick just has this love hate relationship with walks. I just realized that. But, uh, yeah, he walks a lot of people, like six per nine innings, which is a lot, considering he strikes out nine. He's he's walking 
uh, 1.5 was striking out 1.5 batters per walk, which is not not ideal. That's not a great ratio. Those are, those are not numbers you want. Those are not rookie numbers. We do not want to pump those up. No, Shelby Miller <laughs> numbers. Yeah, those are those are grotesque. Um, and it, it those numbers make his his other peripheral stats like his FIP and xFIP ballooned compared to he is ERA. Um, I would say he's like Mark Burley, but Mark Burley didn't walk guys. Um, Mark Burley beat his forecasters, but he was also a much better pitcher. Uh, and he gives up a ton of hits per inning as well. So his whip is like crazy high, um, probably almost two at this rate. I'd say 1. 1.60. 1.60. So yeah, I'm rounding up to the nearest even number, two. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, which is something I never do. Um, but yeah, like, this guy... Yeah, like you say here, you hit printing and a walk every four outs. That's going to catch up with you eventually. Um, if you're giving up a walk and a hit printing, something's probably scoring. So, I mean, yeah. Does he have a future in Patrick or a future in Toronto, Patrick? Um, I'm going to say yes. And the reason why is because, number one, there's no one else. Number two, we have tons of team control on him. This is basically his first year as uh as a an mlb pitcher i Mm. I mean i know i'm kind of futzing with the the numbers but it's the thing is like we can't look at what he's forecasted to do we kind of have to look at what he does okay and what he does get are outs he also gets strikeouts he leaves guys on base he does those things very effectively what he doesn't do effectively is pitch and that's a problem if you're a pitcher so at some point he's gonna get rocked and it's gonna level out his numbers and whether or not he's gonna be a Tim Meza or a Ryan Tapera or a Ken Giles probably not gonna be a Ken Giles people no. he's probably <laughs> gonna be another one of these dime a dozen guys uh, that pop in and out of the waiver wire every year but for now, his immediate stats make him look better than what he is. But you know what? He's a Houdini. He's going to be these types of guys who go out there. And while they don't always pitch overly well, you know, at the best of times, he's not really pitching much better than Thomas Pannone. But the difference is he's extremely lucky and he has the ability to get out of shitty situations that he creates by pitching badly. So we might as well keep him because he's got that control. He's kind of a decent trade piece if he keeps this up, but the return would be so minimal for him. We might as well keep him until we have the ability to generate a better bullpen. We really shouldn't have traded away Joe B. Genie. I really, I don't want to talk about that anymore, but I'm going to bring it up again just because Justin Schaefer now represents our second best pitcher in the bullpen by the numbers. And when your walk rate is 5.94 per nine, you are not really pitching that great. So if he's our second best pitcher and he's not great, what does that say about our bullpen? Is it as good as what we thought it was? I don't know. I don't know either, but I uh, <laughs> what I do know is that I don't know if Justin Schaefer is going to be able to keep this up. Because eventually this is going to catch up to him. I'm just mad we spent like 10 minutes talking about a guy who has a walks per nine of almost six. Like, this guy's not going to be with us. Come on. Come on. Maybe, but I don't know. 
if he gets a walk rate down, well, I mean, you look at it this way, like his ERA is just a shade under three with like an astronomically bad walk rate. Mm -hmm. Imagine if he comes back next year and all the numbers are the same, except instead of his BBs per nine being 5.94, they're 3.94. Still bad, but he'll, or, he'd actually be a much better pitcher. Or he just continues down this dark path and gets absolutely destroyed and is DFA'd in May. It's, I mean, it could go either way, buddy. I was doing the bad, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> it could go either way, man, but to be honest with you, yeah. uh, he's probably the best of what we've got that's not named Ken Giles. And he's look, he's escaping the shitty situations for now. So Yeah, we'll we'll ride we'll it ride when it. we can. Yep. <laughs> that's it. That's all for today's uh, episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. Uh, one thing on my wedding, I will say this. Um, if you're ever getting married, have a big wedding party. It's the fucking best. You guys had like... Brenly had nine, I had eight. Yeah, a small army, as you, I as only you wanted, said. I only wanted four. But, but your wife has too many friends. Brenly had nine, so I was like, I'll <laughs> add a couple extra boys. It was the best, man. I'm telling you, big wedding you, parties. Uh, you killed your groomsmen guests, by the way, too. Oh, yeah. The I got jerseys them, in the booze. Yeah, I got and them the socks. obscure jerseys. Uh, one was like a Todd Bertuzzi. One was a Pavel Bure. Uh, Vince Carter. Was there a Hall jersey oh, in yeah, there Brett or something? Hull, yeah, Brett St. Louis Blues. Had a gr my brother got him a Vladdy Jr. one, a Lindros. There was some, so many good ones. Yeah, I get... Just weddings are fun. Get married. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> make sure you follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. And wherever you are listening today, whether it be Stitcher, whether it be iTunes, whether it be Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, whatever, we really appreciate it. I'm going to pick the uh, closing song today. Um, I discovered this song the other day. Do you guys know the TV show The Littlest Hobo? Yeah. Obviously. This is a remake of the theme song. It's like a slower one, but it's a great version. It's from a band called F&M. They're kind of unknown. Uh, this is Maybe Tomorrow. I'm a huge fan of this. Again, the Littlest Hobo <laughs> theme song. Kind of redone as a little bit of a slower romantic kind of style. Oh. It's actually nice. Getting married has made me soft. Uh, for Patrick, for Justin, my name's Clayton. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. There's a voice that keeps on calling me Down
Tomorrow.